Good morning. I'm your host, Matthew Ma, and today we're talking about best-selling real estate author and successful real estate coach, Jim Remley, who is a nationally recognized expert in the field of residential real estate. Entering real estate at the age of 19, he began an unlikely rise from college dropout to a top producer in the one, top 1% of realtors nationwide. Thanks for coming on our show, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Cool. So I want to talk to you about like, how did you get started at, in real estate at the age of 19 and become one of the top 1% nationwide? That's pretty amazing accomplishment. Um, well, it's uh, I was a college dropout, first of all. <laughs> so my, Not a bad uh, thing at all. A lot of uh, top successful people are college dropouts. Yeah, just found the right time to do it. Yeah, but I did have the uh, Warren Buffett calls it the the PSD designation, poor, smart, and driven. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my buddy had actually talked me into getting his uh, our licenses at the same time. He he failed and didn't continue to get his license, but I went on and got my license. And um, actually, at the time, I had a great job working for a lumber mill, making more than my dad was making. Um, and I quit that job, cold turkey, and uh, walked into the first office I found, which happened to be a centrally owned office, and uh, had my little briefcase and my little suit and tie, and you know, said, "Can I get a job here?" And they said, "Well, you're very lucky. We're hiring." hire you as agent, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I thought I was very lucky that day, um, but it wasn't, you know, not a straight up rise. Uh, I I struggled uh, really hard for the first six months. Um, and but I, what I did, I think, and I recommend to anybody that's listening is um, I mentored. Um, I found mentors, um, and back then there wasn't like a lot of mentor relationships. But I found by reading a lot of books, there wasn't podcasts back then like what you have here. Um, but attending a lot of seminars, buying all the programs, I was able to ramp up very very quickly. So I just modeled what I saw as being the best uh, salespeople in the country and the best authors and the best speakers and just applied what they taught me and went out there and, and, and made it happen. Nice. Let's talk about that. So when you start at age 19 and you start in real estate, you know, people assume and they ask questions, Oh, aren't you too young? You don't have a house. You don't know about real estate. You don't even right. own anything, you know, and then mentors might say, well, you know, you're young and hungry. Great. Can you do it? And are you willing, willing and able to, you know, like yeah. how does that mentality work in the mindset there? And at an age of 19, how do you really get going and actually help people? There is, there is some pushback from, but with my age, when I was 19, I didn't know what an escrow was because I didn't own a home. I was a renter. <laughs> so yeah. when I got the first deal, I was like, what's escrow? How'd this work? You got to educate me. Uh, but uh, what I found in the marketplace was being super authentic with people was the winning um, combination. So I came at, came at it from, Hey, listen, um, I'm new to the business, but here's what you're going to get with me is you're going to get somebody that's going to work extremely hard. I will outwork everybody. I'm going to put your interest above my own interests. I'm going to um, give you every single thing I have to offer more than anything, anything else. I want you to know that I'm going to have your back in the transaction and work very, very hard. And I want to earn your respect and earn your business. And people looked at me and I would say this to any young agent getting the business. They looked at me at, from the perspective of, I could be their son, I could be their grandson, and they. everybody likes to see people succeed. And so when I talk to high school students about getting in the business and they have that fear, I'm too young, that's not the fear to have. The only fear you have to have is a fear of not um, talking to people. If you can get yourself over the fear of talking to people and being able to take risks, and that's the, that's the hardest thing for kids today is to take relationship risks. Because when I was a kid, I'm 51, um, you know, when we have to, when we'd ask a girl to, uh, to, uh, to dance or on a date, we actually had to pick up a phone and actually physically call her and get through her brother or her parents or whatever to actually have a date. You know, today things are so different where kids don't take a lot of relationship risks like we did then. And so it can create a situation where they have a little bit of fear of talking to people in a real life setting. So that's something that I think they, that's a struggle they might have that I didn't have. And so that's something you just have to say, Hey, can I get over that and be authentic and actually talk to people? And if you can do that, you're going to have amazing success. You're absolutely right. It's just getting over the fear and people, you're right. People want to work with you and they see, even if you're young, it doesn't matter. They see that you're hungry and driven and that you're willing to do everything by their means to help them. And if you don't know, you know, asking your mentor, asking your broker for 
additional information to help guide you. And they know at your age, probably you have some kind of mentorship and you have a broker responsible for the transaction anyways, that, okay, if I can trust you to find me the right property, you're going to do everything to search for it, find it, show me. And even if you don't know, you can ask. And that's a part of the challenge. But if you can get over the fear of talking, number one, mm -hmm. that you can really get by. And I actually started real estate when I was 24. I was selling real estate at 24 and multi-unit buildings in San Francisco. And that's hard wow, because that's really you're hard. only 24 selling multi-units. You know, do you even own all multi-unit? <laughs> Right. You know, and it you're right, it, it does work and people want to help you succeed. And by doing that too, you're actually building a really good relationship with them. They see it, you're authentic, and by all means they're gonna refer you more more friends and family to help you. And, and the, the biggest thing too, I think um you can be a standout in your generation for young people if you're a hard worker, because I think this generation, even though I think they're mislabeled as not hard workers, I think a lot of the ones I meet are very hard workers, um, but that's the label of the generation. And so if we can say, hey, I, I'm going to outwork and then you do outwork everyone else, um, that will people love that. And they love entrepreneurial spirit. They love the fact that you're out there you know, doing something that's uh, going to benefit you and the community. So people get behind that and they love it. They love to see success. Everybody loves to see success. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, too, about mentorship. So when you started real estate, um, you found a broker, you went to Fence Join One. How did you choose a mentor? And like, why did you think about choosing a mentor at 19? Well, when I say mentor, I would say a friend of the mind rather than a physical mentor in my office. <laughs> my office definitely had zero mentors in it. <laughs> so for those of you that are in office settings, you're like, oh, there's not a lot of people here that I would mentor with. Here's the challenge with that. If you allow yourself to, to be in an office where there's not a lot of high production agents or people that you want to aspire to be, what can happen is you can sink the level of mediocrity that surrounds you. And that's a dangerous thing to do. So, and I'll give you a classic example of that. You may be somebody, when you look in the mirror every morning, you might be somebody that says, you know what, I am capable of closing 10 million a year or 15 or 20 million a year. But if you're surrounded by people in your office that are doing 3 million or 2 million or 4 million, pretty soon when you're doing 5 million and you become the number one agent in that company and everybody gives you the pat on the back, you start to reset your expectations downward based on who you are surrounding yourself with. You got to not, first of all, don't compare yourself to others in your office. You have to have a broader perspective than that and say, you don't measure yourself against others. You're only measuring yourself against what you're truly capable of. And no one knows that except for you. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because a lot of times we think that it's our spouse that's going to tell us that or our, our mom or our dad or our brother or our friends who know what we're truly capable of. They don't either. The only person who truly knows what you're truly capable of at your deepest level is yourself, right? So I'm, I'm a classic example of this. There's nobody in my family that was, number one, a homeowner. <laughs> I went back generations, and there have been generational um, – you know, generations of people that didn't own a home. I don't. I couldn't find anybody on both sides of my family that had ever owned a home, and yet I became a realtor, one of the top realtors in the country. And so we have to sometimes break through uh, the people that are around us and rise to a whole nother level that no one thought was possible around us. How do you do that? You know, like for example, I keep referencing age because it's just a start. No matter yeah. how old you're, it's a start, right? And even starting at 19, that's more of a challenge than starting at 40 or 50 because right. you just look older, you probably have more experience based on age, right? right. Maybe, maybe not even true. Um, so like when you're starting out, how did you start like, you know, talking to people, clients, meeting people, networking and start selling houses? Especially you mentioned at first too, you came from an area where people didn't really own houses back then. Mm -hmm. Well, for, yeah, that was my, my, my own family didn't own houses. Yeah. So yeah. the way I started... Um, and because I was so young, my, my peers didn't own houses either. Yeah, not ready yet. <laughs> no one around me is owning a house. You know, it, it changed over time. But uh, I had to build my my database uh, from absolute scratch. And so I started doing the things that I was trained to do, which was I focused on uh, for sell by owners. I, I focused on expired listings. I focused on farming. I focused on for rent by owners. And I built my business, um, you know, one person at a time, building a database slowly. I also focused on absentee owners. And I'll just tell you a quick story about really quickly on absentee owners. Um, so in my market back in 1990, when I started, um, the entire database for my county was not computerized. It was on microfish. <laughs> wow. So, that's how, so what I did, we had a, we had a, a $3,000, 386 um, super fast computer this day. <laughs> and I hired an assistant. And what she did is she had a microfish machine on one side of her and the computer on the other, the 386. 
And with the first versions of Excel, we transferred 68,000 records here into uh, actually a computerized record. We computerized the county records before the county computerized their own records. Wow. Then we began to do an absentee mailing campaign to them. Uh, and I crushed it with the absentee mailing campaign. And so when I'm talking to realtors today, I always tell them, listen, when you're an agent and you're looking in your market at an opportunity and there's opportunities everywhere, right? So when we look at opportunities, don't shy away from the things that are hard. In fact, go to the things that are the hardest things to do in your market because no one else will go there. No one else is going to you know, computerize the, the database for the county like I did. And so when you find things that are hard, that's an advantage for you. Dive into those super difficult, messy, dirty things that no one else will touch and you'll win. You know, and you speak about that today in 2021, like you have the 80-20 rule, you know, a lot of the business is not being done by 80%. Um, so for example, let's say this, like when I talk to agents out there and I ask them about, you know, hey, will you go, you know, go door knocking, do cold calling, do for sale by owner, do expires, do withdrawals, do um, absentee owners and door knock. They go, I don't want to do any of that. I'm like, okay, well, how, how you want to be number one, but you don't want to do any of that. What do you want to do? Well, you don't want to do social media. You don't want to do video. Then how are you going to be successful? That I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, but where that comes from is um, society is becoming an instant gratification society, right? Yeah. So we have Amazon now delivering in two hours. We used to think 24 hours was fast. Now it's like, oh, we get to two, two hours, an hour, 30 minutes. Pretty soon it's going to be all drone drops. I mean, it's happening, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's this, this sense that what I want to do is have total instant gratification. And what's happened with agents over the past 10 years is they began to get to this point where they want lead generation to be instant gratification too. And so what they want is they want leads handed to them that they didn't then just go work on and they're willing to give up their commissions to do so, right? And that seemed okay, but let me let me walk you through the process here because I've coached and trained thousands of agents across the country. So we'll go back in time 10 years ago when Zillow and Realtor.com first started doing this. When they were selling leads back then, there was about 5 million transactions a year being closed and they were selling five to 10 million leads. So when you bought a lead back then, pretty good percentage of those were closing in in deals and agents were, were actually, and still to this day, by the way, teams were being built around that model. So they would take and a, a team leader would say, well, I'll buy $5,000 worth of leads. I'll, I'll bring in two or three buyers agents. I'll hand these leads out to them. I'll make a profit on those, those Zillow leads. And that's, um, that's my business. And some, some teams got to a hundred million dollars in business, $200 million in business. That's all collapsing now. It's all falling like a house of cards. And here's why. Um, the reason is because uh, when you look at the number of leads being sold to agents today, it's going to hit this year, 200 million leads being <laughs> sold to agents with the number of transactions barely moving to maybe 6 million transactions. So that means the vast majority of leads being sold for instant gratification purposes are completely crap leads. So what happens is agents are going broke trying to buy instant gratification leads that are going to go nowhere. Uh, so that's that's the challenge. So every agent that's that's just embraced this idea that, you know, I've got to be handed leads is on a path to destruction. Uh, they would have survived with that kind of approach maybe five years ago or 10 years ago. It will not work today. You have to find other ways to lead generate, period. And it gets down to being messy and it gets down to, you know, you figuring out. But I will. there's a model for this that will work, which we can cover if you want to. Yeah, I'd love to cover that too. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned that all the time. Like really you have to build a sustainable business without cold lead or without paying for lead generation. You, should, you still need to build a real relationship-based model because that's the way you're going to win relationships and building over time and building into your community. Like if you want to go local and deep, go for it and like really do and meet people face-to-face -face and talk to them. Otherwise, cold calls, Zillow leads are going to be pointless in a sense at a certain time because you're not going to be able to sustain that model. No. And, and, and here's, here's the idea. When I always, when I talk to new agents, I say, when you get your real estate license and it just comes off the printer and you're like, oh, I got my license. Like what's the next step, right? I live, I live. <laughs> what do I do now? So my, my whole model around this, when I'm talking to agents uh, at my company is I'll say, listen, here, it's just like you just got your medical license. We're going to put it in that frame. You get your medical license. What do you do? 
typically you're going to be an intern at a hospital for a while, right? You're going to be uh, trying to earn your wings there and you're going to work 60, 80 hours a week. You're going to sleep at the hospital. You're not going to, you're going to make an okay living, but it's not going to be fantastic. But after two to three years of being in that hospital, then you're going to graduate to being a resident. And most of you are going to, are going to open your own practice. And that practice is going to have patience and you're no longer going to have to grind that hard. So what then happens is you never see like the top surgeon in town cold calling, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't see like the top, you know, you know, cardiologist, you know, door knocking at night. It doesn't happen. Why? Because they spent the two to three years building their patient database. Then they opened their own practice and now they're completely referral based. Every agent that's watching this has to take that same model and say, if I'm a new agent, I'm going to have to grind for two to three years to build out my database, four, 500, 600, 700 people. That is then my relationship database. Then I can become referral based. And that's the goal. I want 90% of your business to come from your referrals. I mean, your referral based, your database within two to three years. Because if you don't do that, you will never be able to get the level of success. And there's some agents that are cold calling that have been in the business 10 years. Absolutely, completely crazy. And it's a rare breed that can actually do that. I don't want anybody cold calling after two to three years. But in the beginning, I'm going to have to do some hard work. And that could be part of it. You're right. And yeah, I think, for example, that's why the so majority of us percentage like 80, 90% now people fail real estate within the first two years. And I think is the reason being is they don't, they're not putting in the effort that they want the instant gratification. So they're not really grinding, putting the real effort. It takes two years full time to build a relationship database. 1000%. And I'll get quick, a quick example, because we're both in the investment world. <laughs> and um, I'm, a, I'm an active investor myself. So nice. really, really quickly. Uh, and this is a great example. Not all cold calls are cold calls are are the same, right? So you can have a, you know somebody that's cold calling every day and have zero success because they've got a terrible script. They don't know who to call. They don't know the approach. They don't know about tonality. They don't know about the approach of doing it correctly. So I'll give you an example of a cold call uh, that I received that made the agent two hundred thousand dollars plus. Okay, so the cold call I received, the guy says, "Hey Jim, uh, you own an RV park, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I do." And uh, he said, so uh, I represent a group of buyers that's out looking for RV parks. Just a quick, crazy question out of the blue. Would you consider selling that park if you got the right price? And I said, no, no, it's, it's, it's a long-term hold for me. I'm going to keep it. Um, he said, hey, no problem, man. I totally understand. You should keep it. But let me ask you, if I find something else, another RV park, would you be interested in buying it? I said, absolutely, I'm interested in buying. Let me tell you my parameters. I gave my parameters. Nothing happens after that. Six months goes by. The guy calls me. He says, Jim, we talked six months ago about your RV park. You were interested in another one in this location. I've got one that just came up. It's X dollars. Are you interested? I said, eh, sounds a little high. Maybe, maybe not. Send me the package. Long story short, I ended up buying that park. Nice. So that that is a classic example of a no-lose, pretty much rejection-proof technique for cold calling that's felt completely natural. And if that guy, let's just imagine that guy's calling 100 people today or 50 or 20 people and 10 of us say yes, because if I'm an active investor, I'm going to say yes to that every single time, right? Because yep. I want those leads coming to me, right? Those leads on other properties. So this guy is going to get a yes or a no about selling, doesn't matter. And then he's going to get a yes or a no about being an active buyer now in his buyer pool. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. He probably got 10 or 15 people a day being added to his database. Yeah. I mean, an amazing technique, right? I, I love that technique and that works so well. And you're absolutely right. And that person is building a really good solid database of active sellers, potential sellers, investors, and buyer pool. And he's building parameters inside his CRM, hopefully. And he understands what you exactly needed. And if he finds the right property. So now he's searching for properties on this side while he's building his database on this side. And all he does is matchmaking throughout the days. And he's building actively without having to do hard sell properties, just providing massive value to you. And as an investor, you always want to know about buying and selling options that fit your parameter. Absolutely. So he's right. really smart. And I see some guys do that. For example, I see some really good smart uh, agents do that on like bigger pockets and other websites. So they basically, and even Facebook, they ask basic question parameters and people responded so quickly. I'm like, you know, agents really think about what they just did. They set up a literally simple note. Say, hey, anyone interested in buying this kind of property type? They didn't say I have one. They just asked you and then they built a pool right there. And they know, hey, sellers actually have a pool of buyers who are interested in your property types. Let's connect. Great.
It's perfect. I mean, it's such an easy, easy thing to do. So why is it um, so hard for agents to do that? <laughs> well, you know, it's because they're closed-minded about it. And they think uh, cold calling always means I'm calling a neighborhood and I'm just asking if people are interested in selling. By the way, the one thing I always tell agents is all prospecting works. Every single technique you've ever heard of in your life will work if you just do it. <laughs> and if you do it at scale, it will work. The question is just choosing the one that works the best for you and your style and your, you know, the way you operate. Uh, so, you know, when people say, which is the best, all of them work. You just got to find one that works best for you. Right. And that's kind of touching everything. And that's, you know, it comes down to uh, you living in what I call the risk zone. Entrepreneurs live in the risk zone. So we have to be putting ourselves at risk every day if we want to win at a big scale. If we are hiding behind this idea that we can't hear the word no, we're going to lose. We got to take it to the next level and live in the risk zone more often and take relationship risks. Every single day we're taking a risk, we're taking a risk, we're taking a risk. That's how you grow. And every day as a real estate agent and entrepreneur, like every day, as a, especially as an agent, you, you don't have a job yet. You haven't earned your commission for the day. You haven't earned business for the day. You have to go earn it and fail so many times before a yes starts. And some guys say, hey, I, I'll call 100 people a day. I know the first 10 calls are going to be no by just getting me warmed up to get the yeses. But some, yeah. people, some people say, I don't want the no every day. It just, it's, you know, painstakingly taking no's is hard. I'm like, really? Don't think about it as no. The person is just not ready at this time. So whether they're busy, you don't know what's going on in their life, just have a call, try to have fun, leave a lasting impression, and people will come back to you. They'll see that value. I love it. Yeah, that, I just I just was on a webinar right before this, and we were talking about exactly the same thing. And, and it's something I call professional persistence. And the idea that um, you know we're an annoyance on the other end of the line mm -hmm. is the reason why a lot of people don't make the call. And so we have to let go of that thought process and just because I get sales calls, you get sales calls every single day. Yep. And what do we do 90% of the time? Like if I get a call, I'm like, I'm not taking it. Yeah. I'm not responding to the text. I'm not responding to the email. But that's not what it's about. For us, we're just doing our job. We're making the calls, letting go of outcome and just making the calls and knowing that occasionally I'm going to be in a right minded position to take the call respond to the text, respond to the email. And I don't look negatively on this person making the call. I could care less, right? I don't know them. It doesn't matter to me. Professional persistence is how people win at scale in business. And then there's the other side of this is, and this is the biggest um, part of really taking yourself to the next level. And that is uh, removing choice. And I, I preach this to agents all the time is we're really good at making high level goals for ourselves. Like I want to close 10 million. I want 20 listings. I want 10 deals closed, whatever your, your numbers are. But then we're really, really bad about boiling that down into our daily non-negotiables. Like this is in order to make this happen, I have to do this <laughs> to make it happen on a daily basis, having those non-negotiables. And here's the reason why we're terrible about it, because we think we have to be inspired or motivated in the moment to do that work. And that's why things always become negotiable. It becomes an if then equation. Well, if I'm feeling good, I'll make my calls. Well, if I can, you know, get this to happen, then I'll make my call. You cannot, you have to eliminate all of that. And it has to be, I've got four or five non-negotiables that I have to do every single day in order to hit this end goal. My, the myth of motivation that I have to be motivated to do it is your first path in destruction. You have to let go of all that and do the work anyway. That's the key. I think uh, Elon Musk said that best. Like, if you're an entrepreneur and you're not self motivated, you're in the wrong business. Right. And that's Absolutely. really true. Like, you're an entrepreneur, you're an agent, you're a salesperson. If you're not self motivated, you need people to motivate you every single day. This gets really tough. Like, how are you going to succeed at bu building your business to the level you really want it to be at? Right. Right. You're the motivator. You are yeah. the motivator. You're motivating yourself and everyone else around you. And I think that's key too. It is. And a part about business and success, like there's two separate sides. Like, yeah, you can be great at sales, but you really need to build the business. You need to have business structure operations and start, you know, t taking actual daily goals and tasks and account that accordingly to your business plan so that you can track it. But most agents don't even do that. They don't have a business plan. They don't have tracking. They don't, they just have daily, just, you know, there's no, um, you know, must do thing items every day for them. They just like non-negotiables. What non-negotiables? They don't have any sometimes. <laughs> Uh, that, that really hurts. You know, you want to yeah. get to 20 million, 100 million. Where's your non-negotiables? Yeah. So what I do with my agents, because a lot of times when I'm training and coaching, people say, okay, Jim, you tell me what are my non-negotiables? Because I don't know. I have zero clue, right? Like you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing every day and I'll do it. You just tell me. 
So I'll say, well, eventually you have to create your own, but I'm going to give you a starting point, kind of a, uh, a starter for this. And I call it my 4111, which is one hour uninterrupted lead generation time every single day, starting with always your sphere of influence and then secondarily another, another pot, right? So one hour lead generation. During that hour, my goal is to set one buyer appointment, one seller appointment, or one appointment with somebody already in my sphere, a networking appointment. Um, and because I'm setting one appointment a day, I'm going on one appointment a day. And the fourth one there is adding one person a day to my sphere of influence. So we know our numbers. The numbers are for every 10 people in our sphere, when we're contacting them 20 to 50 times a year, will give us one closed deal. So if I want to close 30 deals, I need 300 people in my database. We'll close 40 deals, I got to have 400 people in my database. So that's the end goal. That's what we're working for. So the 4111, that's my strategy. That's a perfect strategy and it's really similar to a lot of what top producers do. And top producers actually track and do, and they have a spreadsheet, they have on paper, they have it on computer somewhere, and they're tracking this data. But when you talk to most agents out there, they don't have a spreadsheet, they don't have a, they don't write it down, they don't know how many people they call, they don't know how many, they don't set goals for daily appointments. And we asked them, why not? And like, well, you know, I just call every day and I'm like, how many do you call? I don't know. How many appointments you set? Um, maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, gets tough. Like, okay, how are you sustaining business? You know, like in sports, they track every single metric. So why aren't you tracking your metrics in sales, right? Right. We actually, um, with our coaching platform, we um, partnered with a company called Sisu.co. I don't know if you've heard of Sisu. Yeah, yeah. They're great. Yeah. Sisu gives you this like accountability platform where you're tracking all that stuff, all the numbers, the calls, the texts, the emails, the videos, the social media, the, the referrals, everything's tracked so that we can say, hey, we want to close 30 transactions. Here's exactly on a daily basis what we need to be doing. And it just helps us to track those numbers because the easiest thing to do is to hide from ourselves and mm -hmm. say, you know what? I'm, I didn't do anything today and I don't really care. I'm just going to hope and pray that I close the transaction next month so I can pay my rent. Right? <laughs> you just can't live like that. You've got to take control of your numbers. Yeah, and the average uh, income per agent is really low. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's, that's <laughs> toughest part for them. So yeah. let's talk about like when you're a new agent and now you become a top producer, how did you do it in such a short period of time? Uh, well, I was fortunate. I took 150 listings in my second year in the business. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So I probably went on 300 appointments at least. Um, <laughs> So that's a really good ratio too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or probably more. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot. Um, for me, I was completely listening focused. I, I learned really quickly that the strongest agents in any community are always listing agents. And so I knew in order to leverage my time and make the most amount of money possible, I need to work. I needed to work uh, and focus my energies on listings. Um, and I would suggest the same thing today. I mean, if you're a buyer's agent and you're in a low supply market like this, and you write an offer and you're competing against ten or twenty other offers, you know you're going to lose. You know, ninety percent of the time, you know. So you, the only person that's always winning is a listing agent. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm focusing energy somewhere, it's on getting those listings, and so that was my one thousand percent focused every single day. I live the four one one one. I'm on the phone. I'm calling for sell owners. I'm calling expired listings. I'm calling withdrawals. I'm calling uh, into farm areas, and that was my my method to uh, achieving those numbers. So for me. Um, I became a master at those categories. I took them one at a time. I started with for sale by owners and became an absolute master at it. Expire listings, and I just started going down the line until I had mastery over it. Nice. That's a really good key point too. You mentioned going after listings, and especially as a new agent. I see a lot of agents get stuck on the buyer side, like, oh, you're a new agent, you're just starting to buy a side, just start showing buyers, but you can only sustain so many buyers at the same exact time. While listings, you can handle like 50 listings at a time and have a team around you to support it. But as a right. buyer, you can only show like eight, ten, maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. time. It's uh yeah, the thing about listings is I always look at I always tell people the grocery store example. So imagine we're going to a grocery store and we uh, we walk in, we need eggs and butter and milk or whatever, and the clerk runs up to us and says, Hey, I've got good news and bad news. <laughs> the bad news is I don't have anything to sell you. We've sold out here at this Albertson store, but good news, my car's all gassed up. I got my clean suit on and I'm willing to take you down to Safeway and sell you some of their product. What would you say if you're the consumer? Most people are going to say, uh, no, thanks. I'll go to Safeway myself. Mm -hmm. This is the way most agents are operating their businesses. They're operating like that clerk in a sold out store and they're hoping to sell someone else's product in order for them to survive. Mm -hmm. But but buyers are smart. Buyers go directly to the people that control the listings. 
So listing agents and listing offices are always the dominant players in the marketplace. So if you have one listings or zero listings in your inventory, you're pretty much unemployed. <laughs> I mean, you're very, very, you know, it's very tenuous for you at any given time. Um, so for me, it's always been listings, listings, listings. Um, I, I will say too that with listings, you're exactly right when you say that you can have 40 or 50 and it's less work. The thing about listings is they're always working for you day and night. I could be on a, a beach in Hawaii. I'm still making money because I have listings. Whereas when I'm with buyers, they're super time intensive and I have to be physically present with each buyer uh, all the time in order to have impact. And I can't, I can't make money at scale doing that. If I want to scale my business, I got to be a listing driven agent. Um, so along with that, in order to, to get to a mastery level with listings, uh, you have to master your listing presentation. You have to master a pre-listing kit. You've got to master communication in order to take yourself to that, that higher level. So why aren't most agents actively working on their listing skills and presentations and actively prospecting for listings? I think the reason is it's easier to work with buyers and buyers are, are it's like what you can pick up off the ground as a buyer. You have to dig for a seller. The sellers are like diamonds and you got to dig down and you got to look for them and they're harder to find. Buyers are kind of everywhere. So it's just easier to pick up a buyer. The thing, one thing to realize though, for all new agents is that when you're talking to buyers in the field, 70% in our current market of buyers are actually sellers in disguise. 70% of buyers still have a home to sell. So when we're in conversation with people, we should always ask the question, well, tell me what your housing situation is right now. And let them tell you if they own a home enough. If they own a home, say, well, obviously you must be thinking about selling it if you're talking to me. Um, so has anybody taken the time to give you an evaluation and kind of share with you, you know, what you're looking at in terms of being able to sell that property? So you walk them through that process. Um, so I think that's the reason why people focus on buyers is because it's easier. Um, but we can, you know, we can, uh, you know, you still use buyers because a lot of the time they're going to be sellers. Exactly. I think a lot of agents, they don't ask if, you know, they're afraid to ask like, oh yeah, do you have a house to sell in order to buy this one? No. Yeah, for sure. They just want to ask the question. So another way to frame that up, and when you're, when you're in conversation with people uh, and here, here's the numbers, the average American has 27 conversations a day, which sounds shocking, but that's the number. So when you think about 27 conversations a day, how many of those times are you pivoting the conversation towards real estate? This can just open up a world of opportunity for you. So when you pivot the conversation towards real estate, you might say, hey, you know, I'm a realtor. I got a crazy question for you. I want you to just think about it for a second. If you could live anywhere in any house, and Matthew, let's do this together. Well, we're going to role play this. Okay. Matthew, if you could live, I, I'm a realtor, so I got a crazy question for you. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in any house, what would that look like for you? Uh, probably Pacific Heights with a view of Alcatraz and everything else, the Bay. All right. I love it. So in that moment, when you were answering my question, you looked down and I think to the left. Some people look up and to the left. And so people, what they're doing is they're accessing an aspirational part of their brain where they're, they're thinking, wow, it's a, like a dream state part of their brain. If I could go anywhere, what would I do? And then you can follow it by saying, well, what would it take for you to get there? You know, you start having this aspirational conversation. And then here's a fun thing to do for them. Uh, and, and just imagine you started to do this with everybody you know, right? You say, well, let, let's do something fun. I do this for some of my friends if you're open to it. Let me set up a dream search. I know you're not ready to buy that house yet. You got some, you got some steps between you on that house. Let me set you up and do a dream search, and you're going to start getting delivered those listings on a monthly basis, and it can motivate you to get to that point in your life where you want to be. Can I do that for you? Sure. You'll say probably yes. Yeah. Now I'm going to add you to my database, set you up on that dream search, and we're just going to have some fun with it, right? And I, every few months I'll say, hey, man, did you see that house I just sent to you? It's incredible, right? So we're starting some conversations on uh, 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 One of my agents, um, Mandy, did this with her, her dentist just to say she's not ready to go under, she told me. And the dentist said, oh, I want this, that, and the other. And she actually found it for him the next week, the listing that he was interested in. So she calls him and says, I found your dream house. And he said, really? He ended up buying it. So she had like wow. a million two deal out of the just having this you know, conversation, this dream kind of search conversation. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, conversations and looking for opportunities, it's kind of opening your mind to all the opportunities around us. And I think people get so closed minded when it comes to opportunities, like it's always got to be in a cold calling situation. Yeah. It doesn't really have to be. It can be in any situation. 
think that's great because you're yeah you're, you're making people think about it you're opening them up and trying to get them out of closed mind because natural habit is i'm closed minded sales call hang up i don't want to talk to you you're going to try to sell me something but if you're just being open honest and just having conversation and making it fun and make me think about what i can do in the future you don't know my affordability i might be able to afford it but you don't know but if you're asking me these questions and you're opening me up to look at and i keep seeing it every month like wow actually i can buy this this is actually affordable there you go Exactly. Yeah. And it, again, it's asp everybody likes to talk about their aspirational goals. So I think that's it's just a fun way to kind of take it in a different direction. And it's a good natural conversation, too, rather than the other way where, hey, do you want to buy this, this and this? I have it in your neighborhood, you know. Right. Exactly. It just takes it to, a, you know, uh, something that they're going to enjoy talking about rather than maybe forced to talk about it. Exactly. And you're creating a really good conversation and relationship too, because you're connecting with someone, they're having fun with you. They're going to remember you. And if it's right time for them to buy or sell, they're probably going to contact you first because you left the lasting impression. Right. Exactly. It's in the, that's what you said there is really important too, is a lot of people focused on first impression, right? Mm -hmm. How we come across in that first 30 seconds, our voice, our tone, how we look. But what people forget is that the most important part of you meeting anyone and connecting with anybody is your last impression <laughs> yep. where you leave the conversation is going to determine to a large degree whether people are going to return back to the conversation or not first impression is important but last impression is more important and so thinking about in every setting whether you're talking to a buyer a seller a lead how did you leave them you know is so important and the communication and the touch points are really really important as well Exactly. And I love that because my thought process when I have conversations with many people is always like, can I make your day better? Can I leave you a lasting impression? Will you think of me a year later, three years later? And that actually works because, for example, I just talked to a lot of people have fun. I just have fun nowadays. It's just everything I'm doing is all about investing, making money in real estate, helping people and having fun. And whether you want to buy or sell, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is if I can help you hit your goal whenever you're ready, no pressure. And I even seen before like one year later, a person called after a 15 minute conversation, I left the last impression. They call me, they say my number and call me a year later, three years wow. later. And then they wanted to say, Hey, I remember having a conversation with you. It was really fun. Talked to you a year ago. I'm like, A year ago? Okay. Yeah. You wow. met me at this place from a random person and you connected. I'm like, Okay. Oh, you're right. ready to buy now and sell. That's awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's Which, what it means, right? Last yeah, impression. And lasting impression. And one of the things that um, I, I'm a big believer in is networking. And when we're building our sphere of influence, um, one of the fastest ways we can ramp up our business and, and kind of move away from the whole cold calling thing is to start doing networking meetings every single day. So if I can do one networking meeting where I'm having breakfast, lunch, coffee, dinner, drinks with somebody in my sphere of influence, I'm elevating relationships to friendships. Friends refer friends, right? And you don't want to be a secret agent. And the best way you can create better relationships is with, you know, communication. Um, so a, a couple of people asked me, how do you do that effectively? And one of the ways to do that is to understand the power of Ford, right? We all know we've heard this acronym before. You're talking about family, occupation, recreation, dreams and goals with people, which you could talk for hours and hours and hours about any of those things. But here's a secret to it. The secret is we've all met someone at a party or we've been on, in, introduced to somebody at a party or at an event, and we had a great conversation with them. Fantastic. You know, you felt like, wow, I really connected with that person. But then, you know, they forget about you three weeks from now or a week from now or six weeks from now. The reason why they forget about you isn't because they didn't love meeting you in that moment. It's because they literally just can't store that much information in their brain about everything else that's going on in their lives. So pretty, pretty soon you would, what happens is you fade to black. To avoid the fade to black, here's what you do. You do the Ford Plus, and the Ford Plus is in the conversation I'm having with these people, I'm looking for an opportunity to add value. And the opportunity to add value might be if you say, you know what, I, man, I, uh, I hurt my back yesterday. I was uh, lifting something and kind of crushed my head. I might say, well, you know what, I got a great chiropractor. You want me to shoot you over a text with that guy's name? He's fantastic. Or they might say, hey, we're going to Hawaii next week. We're getting super excited. Oh, great. We just in Maui, you know, a couple of years ago. And we found this super cool spot over there. It's a cool beach. You want me to shoot that to you as an email? You guys should check it out while you're there. Now I'm adding value to the relationship that's unrelated to real estate. But now they're going to remember me mm -hmm. because we took it to the next step. That next step of adding value, that's where you're going to stand out. That's where people are going to remember you and never forget you. The uh, that's that's a really key concept for for networking in general.
That is a great concept. I tell people too, like even if you're introvert, like you really need to be out there. You really need to network and go to events, create your own events, and share just life, history, and fun, right? Like you want to talk about real estate investing, talk about travel, talk about food, photography, whatever. Do it, and you're going to find people who connect with you and like you and want to work with you later, and they're going to remember that you know you're an agent too, and you're helping people with real estate, and they'll connect you back with other friends too. But if you can't talk and you don't have, you don't want to share any experiences, you're just closed off. It's going to be really hard to really help people, you know. Yeah. You know, there's a great um, TED talk by a gal named Brene Brown, who is a, uh, has a doctorate. She's a great, uh, and she has a book called Daring Greatly. And the book is all about authenticity, right? And so being super authentic on, you know, your social and being authentic with people and just putting yourself out there. And the reason why we don't do that, by the way, we always are trying to maybe put out the perfect representation of ourselves on Instagram and Facebook. And we're trying to create this look or whatever. Um, and we're afraid to have any imperfections is because we're afraid people will reject us or people won't like us. And actually the exact reverse is true. The more imperfect we are, the more authentic we are, the more relatable we are, the more we're going to attract people. Instead of chasing people, we're actually going to attract people to our business. So so when you're actually, when, I, when your students or your, your people that are watching this are thinking about what I'm posting, what I'm writing about in my emails or my blog posts, the more real you can be, the more likely people will be attracted to you. That's why when I see these agents that are trying to be Instagram influencers, worst mistake that I think you can make <laughs> is to try to be this perfect representation. You see people following them around with cameras in the big cities and stuff. Completely ridiculous. Nobody cares about you being an Instagram influencer. What you want to be is authentic to your audience group. Um, so just, just a little side note, they're in a great TED Talk by Brene Brown. Nice. Got to hear that. And I actually um, heard recently too, from just for example, a YouTube influencer, he was just speaking about that in a different context. He's basically talking about photography and marketing, video marketing. He's saying, for example, professional, perfectly cut videos versus just real authentic video on the same exact content. The real authentic was actually doing better outperforming the, the other one. He goes, yeah, Hey, that actually saves me so much time. I could just be authentic and just show <laughs> the same information. You're going to take that instead. Yes. It's 2021. People are used to it now. People don't have time to think about all these things, just create all the cinematic, perfect effect. They want to see the natural real information about what they're doing and what they're buying. And it's faster and easier. Go, oh, right. okay. It's the no edit video, right? We yeah. Everybody likes the no edit video. They prefer it. And it just is more, again, more authentic, which brings it back to, you know, 94% of agents, I think is a recent study, uh, refuse to do video at all costs. So mm -hmm. that means that if I just start doing video and my recommendation to everybody is you just start shooting one video a day. Doesn't mean you're going to post it, but I'm going to shoot one video a day, less than a minute. So I can post it on multiple platforms. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose from those videos, two or three, I'm going to actually post per week, right? I'm going to beat 94% of my competition now, right out of the gate. So now I've taken 94% of my competition out the window and I'm starting to stand above everyone else. And I can, I can, you know, make more of an impact with my audience members. So I love that. It, it absolutely makes sense to me. And I see it too. When I talk to agents about it too, like prioritizing your time, choosing wise what you're going to focus on. And I tell people to do video every day, shoot something. And yeah, under a minute, it's perfect. Shoot it. But then uh, you see like 89% don't want to shoot any video and they're scared. I'm like, just shoot it and just upload it. Don't even look at it. And really what happens, you're, you're going to create authenticity. And I actually did that to a couple of top producing agents. Within the one video or two videos, they got a couple of buyers and seller listings just from the video. Go, hey, I saw you post a listing. I'm one of your friends. I'm actually thinking about buying and selling right now. Can I connect? And like, that worked. And yeah. I'm just, you're being real. I can hear you. I can see you rather than you posting a message. I don't even read, have time to read. Right. So right. post a video and then it. they start doing it. My new agent, he actually got into five deals already within eight weeks and it's all from YouTube videos. Wow. That, and that's interesting too. I mean, because when you look at that level of communication, um, you know, we need, we, we used to have to be in front of people nine to 12 times a year to have impact and top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. That's changed now to 20 to 50 times because the average American now is seeing 5,000 advertising messages per day. So for us to cut through that communication jungle, we got to be more active mm -hmm. And social media and video is one of those 20 to 50, you know, ways we can contact people and stay top of mind regularly. It's those agents and, and, and every market's like this, every agent, or excuse me, every market has an agent who sucks, <laughs> who's terrible, who's unethical, who's something you hate to work with, but they're highly visible on social media and they're crushing it, mm -hmm. right? And then you have an agent on the flip side of this who's fantastic, super ethical, does a fantastic job with sellers and buyers, but is invisible on social media and is not performing very well. Mm -hmm. So we, we need to even the playing field and say, hey, you know what? You got to get out on social, be highly visible so you're able to compete with everybody. And that's super, super important. Visibility is, is super important in our industry today.
Exactly. And I think, um, yeah, I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like, you know, attraction, like how, how big is your audience and how many people are you attracting daily to build your audience up? If you're not building an audience, you're basically not even existing. Right. Right. And really, you know, people say, uh, everyone says this all the time. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I sound. I like how tall I am. I don't like whatever. It doesn't matter. Really. You're going to find your own audience and people will follow you and like you if they want to work with you. If they don't, that's okay. Go find your audience, go build your own audience. And people get scared of that. And there's a there's a great article by the editor of Wired magazine, and it, it's called "The Thousand True Fans." And you know, every and, and they put it in perspective of a musical artist, and that musical artist being able to have a very good career now just with a thousand true fans. That the fans that buy the merchandise, buy the new album, go to the live gigs, you know, they're they're like the super fans, right? And agents are the same way. If we can get a thousand true fans that are like super fans and refer us business and do direct business, we'll have an incredibly massive career, like top 1% in the country, no doubt. But that's the goal. We've got to start building our audience. We call it our sphere, we call it our audience, you know, whatever we want to call it. That's the goal. Thousand true fans. You're right. And that's a really good sustainable way to build up and really think of a sustainable business and building the authenticity of real raving fans, you know, helps you create so much more business than you ever think of. And people focus on new leads and cold leads. They don't focus on building relation referral relationship business to scale, you know? Yeah. And absolutely. That's the key part that they should actually switch the funnel around. Right. That's where people are focused on. They're focused on a funnel, but they, they think this funnel is like a never ending funnel that they're always going to have to be, you know, shoveling and shoveling things under the top. Our goal is to get to a thousand true fans. Right. Mm -hmm. And we'll always have to be adding a few people, but eventually we're going to have this pretty well built out just like that top surgeon, just like the top accountant, just like the top attorney in your town. They're not out shoveling thousands of leads through their funnels every day. They're, what happened is their sphere of influence is referring them all their business at some point. That's where we got to get to. That's where our mindset has to be. has to be away from this massive funnel approach that everybody's kind of adopting now. I think because, for example, like Zillow Realtor and other companies are selling you because they know agents, hey, they'll buy anything. They'll spend money. They like shiny object syndrome and they'll focus on this. And we just keep selling them all the leads. They don't focus on building the relationships, the real business. They just keep buying our stuff, right? Right. That's the trick, the mindset that they, people need to think about. Hey, you actually need to switch to the opposite side of things to really build a sustainable, you know, business model. No question. No question. I'm cool. agree. Let's jump into some questions I actually have for you. Uh, you know, time we're talking about all these different things with times going right by really fast and this is fun. I can talk to you for hours just having that, but I actually want to get to some, some of the main questions I wanted to ask you, especially as a top 1%, like how did you handle and build up to 150 listings in the second year or 150 deals in the second year? Uh, well, the, 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 it was 150 listings. Um, okay, listings, wow. <laughs> so the way that I built that, first of all, you have to have a great listing presentation. You have to have great systems behind it. Um, and I did have, I was one of the first people to have a team and then an assistant working with me. So in my community, long before teams, long before assistants were common in the business. So I couldn't perform at that level without those people around me, supporting me and helping me through that, that process. So it was identifying... You're, first, for, for agents, we have to identify our capacity and our capacity. Everybody has a different capacity. So my capacity might be, you know, I can close $5 million by myself as a solo agent. Somebody else, it might be $3 million. Somebody else, it might be $10 million. I've got an agent that I work with, Randy, who's closes $10 million, $12 million a year, does it by himself. I mean, pretty much. So everybody has a different capacity. But when you hit your capacity limit, here's how you know you've hit your limit, is your service starts to slip with your buyers and sellers. Your performance starts to slip. So that's where I know I need to add. Uh, people, I need to, I need to hire my who's. <laughs> There's a book, great book called Who Not How. You got to hire my who's. Who are the people going to fill the gaps that can help me? Nice. And in real estate, they don't really teach you about how to hire, how to train, how to do all this stuff. Like brokers just hire you, but they don't tell you how to build your own business, how to do all your financials, how to hire assistants, and how to do, you know, how to build your own presentation models. Everything. That's the hard part for agents. It is. I mean, it's definitely a school of hard knocks. That's why I recommend coaching and, and getting a great coach, a great trainer. Um, that you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks. You can learn from everyone else's mistakes like mine. <laughs> so that, you know, I would hire, I would definitely recommend a coaching platform, a training platform to help you through that process. Okay. So when you're building, like what were the fail main failures and things you learned when you started building a team out assistance and a team? How did you, what did you learn about that? 
One of the biggest things that you have to understand is what is everybody's job description and be formal about it. Don't be informal. Formal meaning I have a written job description for everybody on the team that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing and that we have those expectations set up early. Because if I don't have that, what will happen is resentment will build. People will feel that they're overpaid or underpaid. People will feel like they're being worked too hard. Other people will feel like they're not being utilized enough. So we need to have that. We also need to have a, a, a weekly staff meeting and complete transparency where I can say anything to anybody else without feeling I'm walking on shelves. There's no, you know, and there's no couching things. There's no, oh, I'm too sensitive to take it. We are real and we're transparent in what's happening in that business. And that's super important. I think some agents and some people who want to build teams, they don't want to take on the responsibility of, oh, I need to actually, you know, like, kind of manage them, coach them and guide them and say and make them responsible. And I don't want to like kind of like yell at them or talk like talk to them in a way of where you're not being negative, but you're trying to hold them accountable and they're not being accountable to what they want to do, even as an assistant or even as a buyer's agent or showing agent or a listing agent. I think most agents are not really, you know, cut out to be team leaders. That's a very rare breed that could be a good team leader. Um, but if you are one of those people, you have to accept that your job shifts from being like a top producer to a top manager. Managing managing people and running a real estate business are two different things. Um, so you have to accept that management skills are different than sales skills. And so one of the most important things you have to develop is your high EQ or high emotional intelligence. So you know how to read people, you know how to motivate people, you know how to uh, encourage people. And it's completely different than the skill set you learn to sell real estate at a high level. And that's where the the lost in translation part comes is you think because you're a great salesperson, you're going to be naturally a great manager. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's a completely different skill set. So you have to like embrace the fact that you're going to have to go through an entire learning curve. And people don't learn through osmosis. You assume that people are just like you. The biggest mistake that people make when they're hiring people is they hire reflections of themselves. So if I'm an alpha, I'm attracted to other alphas, right? I'm not attracted to somebody that's super relational or super analytical or somebody else on the disc profile because it's just not me, Right. But that's exactly who I need to hire is people that are completely opposite of me to fill out my team. If I'm not super relational, relational, I'm just an alpha. I need a relationship person. I need an analytical person. So it's hiring reflect. It's not hiring reflection. It's hiring compliments to your business to flush out where you're weak. Right. So that's the biggest advice I'd give there. I think yeah, you're you're right, and then having a, a mentor coach to guide you through that, especially if you're top salesperson, you don't as, as you mentioned, you don't have the other, you might not have the other skill sets, and having a coach mentor you kind of help you build out the surrounding um, expertise levels to help you scale your business, and having a different uh, pair of eyes to help watch what you're doing uh, really helps. And I'm actually coaching some teams out there, and their teams are like, hey, this actually makes sense because they're really good at scales. But I'm like, you really, if you want to be that team leader, you got to transition, you got to hold people accountable, and then as they start changing, they go, okay, I, I'm they're learning and actually growing in this working because we're giving a different kind of analytical view because i'm more analytical uh mm -hmm. they're more like you know sales driven alpha males and females and they can sell really well but then they're learning the change and actually improving really quickly so it's kind of nice to see yeah. out there what do you look for when you're attracting agents you know to join the team um well you gotta understand what it's when you're hiring people for a team it's different than hiring people for a brokerage okay. so a team um person is going to be more of an employee employer relationship. It's not going to be a typical uh, solo agent working for a brokerage who you want to become like a super top producer. A super top producer is never going to join a team because yeah. the reason why people join teams is for one reason and one reason only, because they're going to be handed leads, <laughs> period. Yeah. If they were lead generators themselves, they would be not working on a team. They would be doing it on their own. So we have to understand as team leaders, if that's the case and I'm handing them leads because that's what they're going to get. Never think as a team leader that I'm going to hire people and they're going to bring leads. Every team leader, I hear that out of their mouth. They're like, it's never going to happen. Let it go. That's not happening. So we have to say as an employee-employer relationship that these people are coachable, they're trainable, and they're going to do what I tell them to do. Uh, and if they're not willing to do what I tell them to do and they're still holding on to this independent contractor kind of mentality – then they should be a solo agent. I don't want them on my team. If I'm handing you leads, you're going to have a list of expectations. You're going to meet those expectations or you're going to be off the team because you got to be closing. So it's it's a different relationship. Uh, and so what I'm looking for people, coaching, coaching trainable, professional, 
and that will follow my instructions. So what do you guys do to um, attract top producing agents, teams, and how do you build agents to become top producers? Um, well, recruiting is a, it's an art form, but it, recruiting, I look at myself as being like the, the coach of an NFL team. Nice. <laughs> and I am, my job is to recruit every day, the top producers in my market, right? We've done a good job. So we've, we pretty much have taken all the top producers in my market and they work for us. Uh, and there's still others out there we'd love to have, of course, but we've done a great job of pulling some great agents, um, into our offices. Um, so I look at it, you know, re recruiting is not going to be done through an email. It's not going to be done through social media. It's not going to be done through anything else other than one-on-one -on -one personal contact with people in an intimate setting. So that's number one is I've got to let go of this idea that I can, I can, I see these, these agents now saying, I recruit through YouTube videos and blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. The only people you're recruiting through a YouTube video is the lowest tier agents that are not going to survive over the next two years. They're going to be part of the 86% attrition rate that happens every couple of years in the business. The way you recruit high level people is with one-on-one -on -one direct communication where I'm talking to them in one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, and that's where it comes down to. It's a very high level. It's, it's, it's very, uh, you know, uh, it's a very much a negotiation. Um, and we just have to retreat a recruiting presentation, just like you treat a listing presentation. I'm coming into it loaded for bear. I know what I'm going to talk about and I have my value points stacked up and I'm going to come in and understand that's a long-term process. I've taken 10 years to recruit some, some people, four years, three years, two years. If you're again, looking for instant gratification, like you're going to close people that are high level on the first appointment, nope. you're going to close a new agent or an agent that's going to flake out in a year on a first level. But if you're trying to recruit somebody that's high level, it's going to take three or four or five, 10 appointments. And it's going to take a year, two, three, four, five years. Exactly. And it's all about, it's all about relationships. And that's the, that's the fun part about it. Cause you want to really grow with them. They want to see what you're doing, how you're helping them and grow at scale. And when they see you attracting other top producing agents too, they're like, they're, they keep opening their mind up. Oh yeah. Hey, Jim just brought this team over. Hmm. I remember we had a conversation last year. We should talk about that again. When yeah, they're ready, sure. basically when they're ready and the more you talk to them, the more they get to know you and like you and want to work with you and see what you're doing, the more they're attracted to you. Absolutely. Yep. For sure. How do you retain them over time? Well, retention is an art, but it, it comes down to relationships. So it's all relational. They're not going to stay with you because of the brand. They're going to stay with you because of you, right? Yeah. So it's you delivering high value to them and and getting to become friends with them. So my people stay with me because they're friends with me. Yeah. And, it, and it becomes um, uh, much harder for my competitors to recruit from me when they're friends of mine. <laughs> so when I look at people as a number, that's where I'm going to lose them. If I look at people as just another cog in the wheel, uh, in the machine, they're, they're going to be easily picked off. But if, if I'm bringing people close to me, I'm breaking bread with them. I'm going to lunch with them. I'm talking about their aspirational goals. I'm, I'm networking with them. I'm coaching them. I'm training them. It's very, very hard for people to break anybody away from me. In fact, it hasn't been done. We, we keep 99% of people out of my company unless we fire them. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's extremely rare that somebody leaves our company. It's culture, 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 culture. Exactly right. And that, that matters too. Yeah, you're right. It's really hard to break relationships and culture. Money aside, people will always want to stay with friends. Like for example, you see some old corporations, they built culture so strong that people don't even leave after 40 years. Nowadays in tech companies are leaving within a year or two, six months a year. They just keep switching because they haven't built the time and culture yet, right? Just that exactly. pace. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly right. Yep, for sure. So that's the that's the challenge about it. But when you're providing massive value and you build a culture around it, it's really hard to want to leave that because it's like, hey, I want to start. I'm changing my life. Even though you can change different brokerages and things like that to change and values change, but over time, if your company's elevating you up, then by all means, you're probably going to stay. But if your company's not elevating you up, even though you're friends, you should think about moving because that's something that probably can help you and your family more. So exactly. Yep. One hundred percent. Nice. And then right now you guys have online real estate courses. You guys have a, like an expansive library. Do you guys provide that to all your agents? Do you guys sell that to other agents and how has that helped them grow in their business? So yeah, we're proud of the fact that our, our office is one of the top 500 companies in America. So we just got ranked for the fifth year in a row. Um, so we're in a, we're in a small town, real, we are a real trends ranked top 500 company, but we're in a population base of 80,000. We're selling a billion dollars in real estate a year in a population base of 80,000. So, wow. um, yeah, it's a hundred, about 180 agents producing that level of volume. Um, so we have one of the highest per agent productivity rates in the country. Um, and because we've had one of the highest per agent 
productivity rates. People have come to me and said, Jim, I want to train my agents <laughs> to have that same level of productivity all over the country. And so I have broke a lot of brokerages come to me. A lot of individual agents have come to me. So a couple of years ago, we rolled out the, the most affordable coaching program, I believe, in the country. So agents can plug into it. Uh, it's uh, 17 weeks of intensive lead generation coaching. Um, so we give you the way it works is every day, not just once a week, but every day for 17 weeks, you're getting 10, 15 minutes of coaching. Um, and then it's paired with downloads. So social media downloads, forms, systems, drip campaigns, presentation, presentation materials that people can download and use instantly in their market. And then we pair all that with marketing assets that we're delivering every week to our team that are social media checklists that you can download and brand to your own market. Uh, and then we also pair that with three live coaching sessions every week. So 150 live coaching sessions a year. Um, first two weeks is free when people jump in and just explore it and check it out. And then after that, it's $147 a month. Cancel any time for any reason. That's really good. That's actually a really good price point too. And a lot of value you, you just mentioned there. And do you notice like some people drop off of the coaching sessions or drop off of even looking at online courses and downloading and watching the videos? Mm -hmm. There's always a churn, right? There's always mm -hmm. people that are coming and going out of it. Um, and we, we have about a 80%, um, we call it stay rate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 20% are churning and 80% are consistent and long-term clients. Yeah. Um, so we find, we feel like that's very strong. Our average agent last year had a 300% increase in, in productivity. Um, so when they start with us and then they go out a year, it's a 300% increase. Um, so we feel proud of that and uh, we feel proud of the people that we've helped and brokerages we're helping. I, I do a lot of brokerage coaching. Um, and so that's always fun to help brokerages kind of lift up and people get caught in this concept of I've got to be in a big city to compete at a big level. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely yeah. not true. And we're proving it. Exactly. I think that's right. 80% is really good too. And having that 300% uh, like it, it really works. And even when I tell agents, for example, some of our agents in our team, like they're quadrupling the business and I tell the other agents, Hey, if you want to do it, just do the exact same thing. Like, uh, I don't want to do, I don't want to do all that, but like, <laughs> we just proved the top producer quadruple the business. Do you, does that make sense to you? You know, like here's what they did. It's all the basic things you need to do, but you're just not doing it. You know, right. here's online coaching courses that show you exactly what to do and they still don't do it. Exactly. And, then, exactly. and then they complain about it. Right. So like, right. Come on. But there is that 820 rule and we understand that too, but we really try really hard to help every single person, no matter what and price point, what level, whatever beginning or uh, old doesn't matter, but you can see the value that coaching actually helps mentorship helps and how it can change people's lives and businesses. And as they keep scaling, they grow and they help their people grow too. So really Absolutely. people need to put more effort into it. I know they're busy. Everything's going on crazy, but really putting more effort to building a business. If you want to be in this industry or any sales industry to really think about sustaining and building a real business that's viable and sellable in the future. Right? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah, because most agents, oh, it's just a job. I'm like, it's not a job. It's an actual business. Can you sustain a model that can actually be sellable? That's mm -hmm. a real business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Cool. And then what do people go through in your coaching sessions or in your courses? Like, what do they learn? Like, they, as a new agent, I can just start and I learn everything? Or how do I become a top producer? How do I build a team? How do I build a brokerage? What do um, I learn? It's really focused on agents starting from uh, kind of ground zero, even if you're an experienced agent or a new agent. And it's really taking you through um, lead generation as kind of the foundational point. We start with business planning. What do you want to do? We have a system called our four skulls. And then we we really give you a complete overview of lead generation. So we walk you through for sell by owners, um, expire listings, everything we've talked about for rent by owners, investors, builders. Uh, we jump into relocation, um, human resource directors. We, we really cover the gamut when it comes to focusing on lead generation. Then we, then we get into your listings and we dive deep into listing presentations, objection handling, pre-listing kits, and we give you complete models for all these things to actually just take and use and adapt to your market. Um, so that's really the focus of that 17 weeks is really to get you in a position where you can ramp up quickly and actually have some business to work on. And then after that, the live coaching is every Monday. We're doing um, what I call Monday Momentum. It's live coaching for uh, 60 minutes, um, 30 to 60 minutes. And this is me giving you the best ideas I found from around the country, talking to people just like you. And I'm taking notes everywhere I'm going and I'm just delivering all that information back uh, to them. And then I give them Monday Momentum notes, which is all the notes from that session. 
And then on Wednesdays, we do a Wednesday workshop where we're talking about the latest, greatest technology in the industry. And I'm, we're doing live sessions with it. We bring in top produce, producers and experts that walk people through how they're using it. And then on Fridays, we do a mastermind session. So we bring in a top 1% agent that talks about how they made it in the business. Nice. That's really good and really valuable too. And it helps keep them motivated, helps keep them active and understanding here's exactly what they do. Here's what you need. Here's how a top producer are doing, you know, and hopefully it gets them moving for the most part. And then um, oh, trying to hold them accountable to what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I like that. That's really good. And I, I wish, I wish all brokerages could do that. I know, I know the time wise, it takes a lot of intensive work to actually build a coaching program and build a scalable one mm -hmm. and to actually help real have real metrics of people performing well based on that as well as their own skill sets. It takes yeah. a lot of effort. And then yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I know I'm actually writing 110 courses right now, but it's a lot of effort to put it all together. And I wish you could just dump your brain and here you go. Here's everything you need, but it's hard. It takes it so much hard. time to one course takes a lot of time to put it in. You hope people take the value of it, but some people see it. Like one of my classes is a new one, but I have over 150 students paying students on it. I'm like, this is nice. I, from different companies are paying into it. I'm like, okay, it works. And they're actually thanking me for putting it together. That's nice. That's great. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So how do people reach out to you? How do they, um, and you know, let's tell, tell us about that. So the way they can uh, find me everywhere on social media and on uh, my website is if you go to erealestatecoach.com, that's e like elephant realestatecoach.com. People can hop on there. They can take advantage of that first two weeks for free if they like. We've got all kinds of a la carte coaching there as well. So all the cart courses they can take as well. Um, and then just a lot of uh, free content there. We got some open house starter kits. We've got Bizbo starter kits, expired starter kits, uh, business planning starter kits that are all free. And then we also have our, our podcast and our blog there as well, all free. Um, you can find me on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, e-real estate coach uh, as well. You have TikTok. Okay, good. TikTok. Just started TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I need to start mine soon too, but that's good you have it. Actually, it's really doing really well out there. The, video, the view count is way outperforming YouTube count, you know? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Actually, we've gotten a great a lot of great response from it. Yeah, exactly. Even for real estate, you'd be surprised how much views you can get on that. For sure. Cool. And you're in Oregon too. Where are? Tell us about where you are in Oregon and how can people reach out to you to buy, sell, or invest in Oregon? So we're just over the border from California. We're in Medford, Ashland, and Eugene. Um, so if you just check out our real estate company, you can go to John L. Scott with two T's.com and you can um, check us out there. We've got a lot of fantastic agents. I'm the managing principal broker, but I can put you in touch with one of our awesome brokers here that can handle any referrals you have or any questions that you have. Cool. Thank you so much, Jim, for being on our show today. I appreciate My pleasure. It. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So for everyone out there, be sure to check us out on The Truth About Real Estate, um, our, our podcast, and now on YouTube, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Have a great day.